This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Tonight, a first timer from SacktownRoyalty.com, Sanjesh Singh. Sanjesh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Um. Yeah, man, this is uh, this is cool because like Sacton Royalty, Greg Wissinger, all those guys, like James Ham, friend of the pod, been on, known him for years. Um, it's a it's a very diehard group, and Sacramento is a is a TV market that I don't think a lot of people realize is a lot bigger than it is. Um, I know you guys are in a fight for uh, a soccer team, um, getting into MLS and stuff like that, but like this is a big market game. Like people really do seem to really care about the Sacramento Kings. Um, my extent of knowledge in terms of Sacramento is entirely based on Even Stevens, uh, the only <laughs> show I believe that um, said it was filmed or said they lived in Sacramento, California. So that's the extent of my knowledge, which I, sh- uh, which I would assume is fairly accurate um, if late 90s, early 2000s Disney sitcoms are to believe, be to, bleh, be to believed. Um, but... Um. Yeah. Am I am I correct in my sense that Sacramento is a sneaky big market in that um, fans really do care and um it's just it's it's a fun it's a fun place to be a fan. Yeah. I mean, Sacramento is one of like the best cities for basketball fans, especially passionate basketball fans. I know we had the California Classic that happened the last few days. Um, it was a three day summer league tournament with. Featuring the Kings, the Warriors, the Heat, and the Lakers. And the first night, because it happened in Golden 1 Center, there was a T-Pain concert after all the games had happened. And it was completely packed. And there was a whole naming thing about how do we name like our outside plaza right outside the stadium. And it became a popular name to call it King's Landing. I think it's a Game of Thrones <laughs> reference. Yes. Yeah. And I so believe that... you a Game of Thrones watcher. No, I'm not a Game of Thrones watcher, no. Okay. Continue. <laughs> but I think uh, I saw a picture that um, King's Landing, the name, made it on NBA's The Jump on ESPN, which uh-huh. I thought was really fascinating to see how the Kings, with in a summer league game, packed a T-Pain concert 
for a summer league game and then ended up generating a name like King's Landing and then making it onto ESPN, which, you know, they don't always make it onto the national media stage very often. Do you remember at all the, the early 2000s rivalry between the Kings and the Lakers? I remember it, but I can't say that I remember it very deeply because I'm only 19. So right. I didn't have like, you know, the in depth or the ability to like process all of that at that age. So you've only really experienced just bad Kings basketball. For yeah, years. just like their 13 year playoff drought. Yeah, <laughs> that's what oh, I've experienced. Man. Um. Because it is weird that it's just happened to like, and that they've stocked this front office with those guys from that era, um, mm-hmm. Mark Jackson, Peja, Vlade, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure Mike Bibby's on the payroll anymore. Who can roll it out? Um, isn't Shaq like? Is he still a minority owner? I am. I last time I checked, he was, but I'm not okay. too sure about that one. He owns like a very small percentage. Well, either way, um, the Kings, I think, are one of the more interesting teams now that they're not interesting because I th- it, that might sound a little strange, but I got bored of the dysfunction and the Vivek Ranadive stories and the Vlade Divac not understanding trade stuff with Philly and Sam Hinkie from years ago and those mm-hmm. draft pick situations. Like, and then this year, there was one blip with the assistant GM and Jaeger, and now oh, they're yeah. gone, and mm-hmm. that that seems to be settled. Um, Peja is now an assistant GM and then uh, Cantonella from Detroit and everywhere else is uh, the math whiz who I think had like a career in finance before he moved over to basketball and everything. But um, they seem to share assistant GM roles and help Vlade in that role. But um, Vlade after uh, a certain amount of time is, I think really started to figure it out. Vlade, I mean, uh, Vivek has, I think really started to figure out how to be an owner in the NBA and excuse me, governor, uh, governor, uh, and in the NBA, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I think this team made real strides and just seeing them develop this year was cool because, um, I grew up in the Kings where we're good at basketball and I miss the C web teams in that era. And, mm-hmm. uh, as fun as the Bonzi Wells and, uh, post Bibby Weber era and Rick Adelman era, um, was, I'm, I'm glad they moved on, but I, it, now they're in an interesting territory that they haven't been in, in a long time, which is they could end this playoff drought really realistically, but also the West just got significantly tougher. And I don't know. I think there are a lot of fascinating questions and a lot of it hinges on their young guys who they have surrounded with quality veterans and Harrison Barnes, Trevor Reza, now Dwayne Dedman, um, Corey, Corey Joseph, Joseph is now in the fold. Like, they're they're just operating like a normal smart NBA team, but I I guess I wonder now when you look at the landscape of the West specifically, um, do you think this this Kings team has done enough um, this offseason to make the playoffs in the West next year? They didn't go for the big splash name like people had expected because we were linked to Nikola Vucevic from Orlando for a big deal for a max contract maybe. We were also linked to Al Horford possibly being the mystery team and offering him the four years for 112 million, but we ended up doing none of that. Instead, which is we good. yeah, which is which could be really good in the long run, as adding Dwayne Dedman could be a really good stopgap option because yes. we know how the Kings really want to develop Harry Giles, who is like the sleeper of this young core. If he gets healthy and he stays on the court and continues to develop like he did to end the season uh-huh. before getting injured, 
then the Kings become even more dangerous. And Dwayne Dedman has the low ego to be able to step back and play less minutes a game if Harry Giles continues to develop. Or another sleeper player they just added in Rashawn Holmes, who's also mm. 25 and yeah. has potential to really uh, play a big Rashawn role Holmes. here. And, yeah, he's, uh, he's a consistent motor and energy guy. The Kings will love him. But Trevor Ariza was also another, uh, was another wing they added. He's not the same player he once was. He did have an inefficient year on both ends of the floor, which why, which was the reason I wasn't too high on him. I wrote a lot about free agent wings the Kings could offer or the Kings could go after. And Ariza was number nine on my top 10 list because mm-hmm. of his inefficient year and the fact that the Kings may have to overpay him, which I think they did in a sense because they did give him 12.5 million for two years, but the second year is only a partial guarantee. And he's only getting 1.8 million of that money if he stays on the team next year, which is a fantastic move by the front office. It gives you like more flexibility if the Kings want to move on or if they want to trade him to another team for assets at the trade deadline if it doesn't work out. And then Corey Joseph was another great signing to shore up the point guard depth because the Kings really needed some defensive size at the point guard position. They had Yogi Ferrell and Frank Mason, who were both under six feet. Yogi Ferrell was a really solid option. He could definitely shoot the three. He shot at a 36% clip, but he was shaky at defense on times, shaky on offense at times as well. Frank Mason had a really, really tough year. I believe he was in the high 20s or mid 20s in terms of three-point shooting. It took a really bad turn for him. He was just making bad plays. He would drive to the rim instead of taking open threes and end up getting blocked. He ended up getting released this season and saved the Kings about a million, I believe, in cash. Mm-hmm. And I would like him in Atlanta, by the way. As a, yeah, Frank as a Mason, point guard. Yeah, he, he deserves another look. I remember some people saying that the Lakers should take a look at him, but then the Lakers brought in Caruso and Cook as well as Rondo, yeah. so that takes off. Um, and now LeBron is hope. a point guard again. So yeah, anyway. point Bron. <laughs> point Bron, yeah. So Joseph was another guy I felt like they gave a little bit too much money to because it was three years, $37 million. And if you look these at these are all adults. These are all dudes you bring in to stabilize that group. They had Corey Brewer yeah. briefly. Like there's just I like the the guys and the character makeup of all of these dudes. Like it makes yeah. sense. These are all just solid veterans who are going to help these young guys and are also not gonna interfere in their development. Yeah, that was that was my thing. Like you had to overpay a little bit for Corey Joseph, but it's not something I'm mad about at all. Because anytime you can get a really solid defender who can lock down the one and two guard positions, can play off ball. Um, and, and can do Aaron Fox a minutes where you're yeah die when he's not on the floor exactly and he can also uh give some you know defensive tips and lessons to De'Aaron Fox who has really solid defensive potential as well with his ability to have quick lateral movements um he's a ball hawk for sure he had some fantastic chase down blocks to speed the defense is there for De'Aaron Fox it definitely needs to get better and Corey Joseph is definitely a solid guy to fill that backup point guard role for them despite not being a perfect offensive fit he was only a 32 percent three-point shooter which is like the the main ding on him he's not able to produce points offensively whether it's off ball shooting or creating his own shot but that's completely fine because he's going to bring the defensive intensity that this team needs off the bench as as well as being a facilitator that can provide some relief for bogdan bogdanovich as well as a primary ball handler off the bench I think my sneaky thing, maybe my sneaky prediction about this Kings team this year is I think they're going to lead the league in pace. Um, the Hawks were number one in pace last year, and I'm not sure a lot of people mm-hmm. realize that. So when, even if you have Dwayne Dedman at that starting five spot, like, oh, can they still be number one in pace? Yes, they absolutely yeah. can. And I think with this group and with the Aaron Fox and now Luke Walton in there instead of Jaeger, 
I you forget that that Luke Walton Laker team from just a couple of years ago, the young pups, they led the league in pace and mm-hmm. he wants to play fast. And I think for them to survive and really put teams on edge, the one area where they can use some use their strengths is pace and run teams to death with De'Aaron Fox and Bagley can run. And if he's in shape, um, this is a group that should be able to fly up and down the court um, and get a lot of shots up. And I think that that'll be key for that group. Um, Cause I'm still a little, I, I guess a lot of it too, is just like, I have more questions about their half court offense. I think they're going to always be good in space. I think they're always going to be good when they're rim running with Bagley and Fox and healed spotting up and Bogdan driving and kicking and everything. But like, I, I still have questions about how they look in close games and who they turn to and who their number one option is. Um, but one of the other sneaky important things about this Kings team, and this is why in my notes I wrote down that like they kind of remind me of the Pacers in the West now where like they, the Pacers are going to, and this is something that they did last year where they were never going to put anyone on the floor. That was a bad basketball player. Like a lot of mm-hmm. teams still have a bench that like is riddled with just guys that you don't want on the floor ever. The yeah. Pacers never had that. And I think this Kings team this year with eight or nine guys at the worst, they're going to be solid NBA players. Like, there's never, like, none of these guys are going to be top 15 in the NBA, but they're never going to have a bad player. So, like, everybody's going to be smart. Everyone's going to know what they're doing. Everyone's going to fill a role. I I just think that matters, especially in the regular season. That's why I just think this is going to be a playoff team if they stay healthy because, like, I, I just don't know with the coach that they have, with the group that they have, and the guys who are getting rotation minutes, none of these dudes are bad at basketball. None of these dudes are going to really hurt them when they're on the floor like everyone mm-hmm. on this team now makes sense and just knows how to how to fill their role and i just i like i like that that dynamic and i think it just matters yeah like adding Dwayne deadman brings in the three-point shooting and the rim protection that willie collie stein couldn't offer right as well as a mid-range game like a solid consistent one um you take away costa kufis who's hook shot which was like the most <laughs> self-aware thing he had because he didn't do much else on offense other than mm-hmm you know, his hook shots and floaters, you take that out and you add in Rashawn Holmes, who can provide you with a much more consistent offensive threat, especially in the paint. He's a much better finisher. He has more, he has a better arsenal as well. And yeah, good. Well, his rebounding is okay. Not the best, but uh, I think, I think Costa Kufis is a better rebounder for sure. Cause he just, that's like the thing with Costa Kufis. He was like a professional's, a professional rebounder, professional on the court, professional off the court. Um, you always knew what you're going to get from him. Rashawn Holmes is a little bit shaky on rebounding. It's not the best, but I think it can get better, especially with extra minutes. Um, if he plays per, if he plays 36 minutes a game, he gets over 10 rebounds a game, which that's completely fine as well. Um, he's also a really good rim protector. Uh, averages 1.1 blocks a game, I believe, in 17 minutes. Uh, Holmes does. So the Kings are definitely the Kings definitely replaced their weaknesses last season with strengths this season. Yeah, and I think it matters. They just got better on paper, and it's it's going to be interesting. But like I said, I'm not sure any of these guys' uh, profile, at least in 2019-2020, uh, as someone who's going to break through into the top 15, top 20 in the NBA. But I could be wrong. It could be Fox. Um, yeah. But do you see anyone on this roster right now, anyone in their core, that can get to that top 10 superstar zone. Do you do you believe any of them on this roster right now can really break through and get in that first team, second team, all NBA status? Uh, if I could pick one, I think it has to be De'Aaron Fox. I mean, 
He's such a young, talented player. He had a rough rookie season, but the leap that he took last year into giving this Kings team hope as a franchise point guard, the jump that he took in terms of every almost every statistical category you could think of, um, he also became a much better three-point shooter. His defense obviously got better. He just looked like he can stay on the floor much better than he did his rookie season. Um, and the culture, the culture shift as well. Like the Kings now have hope. They have young players that people want to play with. Um, Darren Fox has the potential to be an all-star for sure. That's in him as well as Marvin Bagley. But I feel like Darren Fox is a little bit more at the moment. But Darren Fox needs to stay consistent with it. His shot sometimes uh, abandoned him in games and he didn't look to create his own shot at times. He just kept looking for passing. He just needs to be more aggressive on offense, aggressive on defense because he can take over games. And I remember that there was a game against Atlanta early on in the season when they went to um, Atlanta and De'Aaron Fox put up 31 points, 15 assists, 10 rebounds, I believe. And he mm-hmm. had a big stretch. Yeah, he, he completely showed what he can do if he's engaged for however long he's playing. And of course the plan is to play more minutes a game this season as well, you know, let him really be out there much longer. And I think that'll definitely benefit him in terms of what he can do on the court. He's like what everybody thinks Lonzo is or could be where it's like, I don't know if Lonzo will ever get there and the health and everything else where it's like the shot will eventually come because he's got all the other stuff where you're like, he'll be a lockdown defender, good passer, smart, Mm -hmm. He can play fast pace, all that kind of stuff. But like, if I had to bet on someone's career between the two, I, I would bet on De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, um, for sure. I just the one thing that's scary is that this league just has so many great guards, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, it's you can find a good guard anywhere. It seems like every team basically has a, a at least one good top twenty, top thirty NBA guard, and um. I don't know. The hardest thing to find is wings, and they have Bogdan, they have Barnes, they have Ariza, they have they have guys, they have Buddy Healed. Um, but I don't know. I, I think there there is a ceiling. I don't know if I necessarily believe. I think it probably depends on what Bagley is and if Harry Giles um, breaks mm-hmm. out. Like if he's someone who breaks out and really becomes someone who could. Um, join them in their core because i'm still not sure i can saddle him in to a core piece just because of his health history i would like mm-hmm. to he's great and he it's his story is already pretty phenomenal to be where he's at because so many guys uh before him you would just assume based on the track record of what he went through would just not be in the league and just be gone mm-hmm. and he fought his way back and he's someone who had number one overall upside before all of his injuries so it's like if he can he can hit and he could break through. Then you have something. Then you're really cooking. Because right now, they're going to be too good to get a, a really good lottery pick again for the foreseeable future. But yeah. if you're a Kings fan, you're like, well, we've been here for way too long. And I'm honestly kind of tired of it. I'm tired of where we were at. And I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to get some playoff uh, pushes. So if you look at this team from that standpoint, where it's like, if you were to tell me they were in the Western Conference playoff like six of the next 10 years, I would believe that. Do I think they'll ever make it to the NBA Finals with this core? Probably not. But it's really hard to make the NBA Finals. Only a couple teams do it every year. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew this, but yeah, two teams. <laughs> so it's it's pretty difficult to to break through. But if you're a Kings fan, you're just like, I just want competent, competitive basketball for a while. Then you're mm-hmm. like, this is our dream because the ceiling is is still really high on this team. Um, so I don't I don't know. It's I, the floor. Excuse me, is really high on this team, and uh, the ceiling is a little bit lower. So I I don't know. 
like my hope for this team, at least for this upcoming 2019-2020 season, is that they could battle for potentially the seventh or eighth seed in the West. Because the thing is, with the Clippers and Oklahoma City trade going down, it takes out um, it takes out a potential playoff contender in the Thunder because they just lose their best wing in Paul George and kind of in rebuilding mode, especially with Westbrook now being on the trade block. And so the Clippers were already a playoff team and adding Kawhi and adding Paul George and Mo Harkless coming in in a deal, this, that team definitely gets better. The Jazz are definitely one of the best teams in the league now, especially when you look at them defensively on the paper with the moves they added, like Michael Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich came over, Ed Davis, Ed Davis came over, a solid rebounder. They brought in Jeff Green as well. And guys already there like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. I think the Rockets can make the playoffs again. They're essentially just running it back with the same roster. In James Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, and having Gerald Green off the bench, Daniel House, players like that. The Warriors are definitely going to be an interesting one because of Stephen Curry and Draymond Green having to carry a bunch bigger load. But they just added D'Angelo Russell to help them out until Clay Thompson comes back. That's going to be an interesting move. The Lakers have LeBron. They added Anthony Davis. They have some solid depth around them. The Nuggets obviously took a big leap into being the number two seed last season. So they're definitely going to be there. And then Portland, they made some questionable moves, I guess you could say. But I still think at the end of the day, they're going to be a playoff team, probably a fifth or sixth seed, uh, maybe a seventh seed potentially. But the Kings and the Spurs are the two teams that I can see trying to battle it out for those final spots in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, the Dallas Mavericks are going to be an interesting one as well. I don't think they're there. I don't trust. Yeah, them. I don't. I don't their think they're there. But dumpster fire. Yeah, that's true. But it, I mean, and their success really depends on where Luca will take them, and also on Porzingis's health because they just gave him a max contract, and yeah. that could either be really good or really bad. I don't think it's in between for them at this time. But you just have to do it. At this yeah. point, you traded Dennis Smith and everybody else for him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like I. The Mavericks making the playoffs would not surprise me, but also I just I don't trust that wing depth. Yeah. If they had gotten Danny Green, I probably would have penciled them in, but I Dorian Finney-Smith is starting at the three for them, and I just that doesn't sound like a playoff starter in the West. Yeah, he'll be a, he's a good like second or third string wing, but if he's yeah. your starter, then he's that's, Michael Finley. He's not proven yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be before your time. That might be before. Your I remember time. him. Yeah, I remember. Him, <laughs> <You> remember him? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, so I I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a tight race, and I agree with you on the the Kings Spurs stuff, and I'm gonna watch that. And the Spurs are a team we're gonna talk about in a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, what do you think the biggest difference between Dave Yeager's system um and Luke Walton's system in Sacramento is gonna be? Honestly, I I'm not too sure what I expect right now, but I do expect that since Luke Walton has much better a much better roster, I think the pace is going to be like the biggest thing. I mean, I know the Kings were um, one of the best teams in pace in terms of pace last year, but I can see them being much better this year. And also they have some players that can play in a half court offense system as well. The Kings kind of struggled with their half court offense last year when the team, when teams opposing teams ran like three, two zones against them. The Kings struggled to combat that, especially because they didn't have solid post players. Um, like Willie Colley-Stein and Costa Kufis couldn't provide much in the low post, but now adding guys like Deadman who can offer some value there. Marvin Bagley can offer some value in the post if he becomes a more be- or becomes a better passer outside of the post because once he got in the post position, he normally took the shot. He didn't look to pass. But that slowly changed over the season. Um 
I think if the Kings half court, the pace will definitely be there. But if the half court offense improves, that'll be the biggest improvement for me. Yeah, and the half court offense is probably my most intriguing part of this group. It's where it's mm-hmm. at the top. It's just I I want to see how this looks, kind of like the Sixers, where it's like I like these five in a vacuum. I just want to see what they look like in a close game. I want to mm-hmm. see what happens when they're down three against San Antonio <laughs> mm-hmm. late in a, an important regular season game. Like I just, I want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. I want to see who Walton picks because he has options. That's like, yeah. like, that's the other thing is like, it's going to change. Like I think he's going to mix and match a lot of these guys and figure out what works because I'm not certain um, what the, the big rotation is going to be. How many minutes is he going to put with uh, Bagley at the five? Because eventually you're going to want to, um, get him there right like i Mm -hmm. I guess it depends on giles and what he can do but like you want to get him some serious minutes to five because you can move barnes over and just slide everybody down so you can get joseph fox bogdan and uh buddy heel at the floor at the same time just for some offensive explosion i just think we're gonna Mm -hmm. see a lot of that out of walton this year um but also you just have a lot of mouths to feed and we'll see but i think he'll mix and match and i'm interested to see how he closes and who is his final five in close games when they matter are what would you bet with this group right now what would you bet is the final five in a close game final five in a close i think it's going to depend like throughout the season i think it'll change multiple times but there's just so much versatility with this roster it's like one of the deepest teams i've been able to watch in terms of the kings and that's not like Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a really good thing, obviously, because of the teams they've had these past few seasons. Um, I definitely, definitely Darren Fox is going to be the point guard. Buddy Heald definitely has to be the shooting guard. I think you have some versatility with what you do at small forward because you can bring in Bogdan Bogdanovich, but it's not ideal because of his size and he can't guard small forwards. Ideally, um, you can also put Trevor Ariza there as a small forward who can guard the four and the two. Harrison Barnes is another option right there. Um, so Harrison Barnes would be my bet at the three and then Marvin Bagley would be at the four and at the five, I'd say Dwayne Dedman for your veteran presence because they'll have three young guys. Harrison Barnes would be the veteran, uh, or the veteran small forward. And then having Dwayne Dedman as your center, he's probably the most proven guy who he is the most proven guy out of the three, uh, potential centers that they have and his ability to be able to stretch the floor is also going to be key down the stretch. I think for them too. Yeah um it's it's gonna be interesting i don't think deadman's gonna close i that's something i would be pretty confident about i don't think walton's gonna go to him late in games so i think um if i had to bet it's if i had to bet right now with how walton has used this group before um i think it's gonna be something similar to what the hawks did last year where i think it's going to be um fox joseph bogdan barnes bagley or Giles, depending on the matchup. That mm-hmm. that would be my best guess. Yeah, there's just like there's so many options you could with Luke Walton here right now. Like I can give you like so many different types of lineups. Like I remember I tweeted it out, um, just like some of the lineups the Kings could run like in certain situations. Oh, I just forgot about healed, by the way. I just yeah. penciled out yeah. healed. I just realized that. So I don't know, I could just really see Joseph being that guy, but then again, like you have to have healed out there. I just maybe it's Bogdan who gets left out or Bar- I I don't know. Now I'm I don't know. I just completely just miffed on, on Buddy Hield. Um, <laughs> damn, I have no idea. Yeah, you. Yeah, I think you need Buddy Neal. Buddy, you need Buddy Hield out there Absolutely. for his three point shooting. Got to be in there. I yeah, just, I don't know who you take out. I guess you probably take out it's Bogdanovich. Barnes. Barnes. Oh, Barnes. Okay. I'd, I'd keep I keep Barnes because he has he shot forty one percent from three when he came with the Kings. Yeah, and he has the size. He can defend. He defended much better than expected as well. 
he held his own uh, fantastically. Um, yeah, I think it would be Barnes at the three. Okay. Yeah, but you I can't right. you can't really go wrong with whatever they really put out there, depending on the matchups. Well, that's enough Kings. If you well, last thing on the Kings, we'll move on. Do you think this is a playoff team? If you had to guess next year, if you had to guess, is this a playoff team? Is the streak over? I think they can really go for the eight seed. I think it's I think it's there for them if they can beat out the Spurs. No, no, no ifs. Are they gonna do it? Are they gonna do it? All right, my bold take: they're gonna get the seventh seed. Okay, there you go. I, I think they're a playoff <laughs> team too. I think they're an eight seed, but yeah, it would not surprise me at all if they're seventeen too. Mm-hmm. If things go their way. Um, Russell Westbrook. A lot of talk about him the last couple of days. Obviously, things are really awkward now. He kind of got blindsided by Paul George, uh, mm-hmm. getting coalesced out of Oklahoma City to join up with Kawhi Leonard in Los Angeles. He is now the the lone guy i think it's funny what's happened in oklahoma city in some ways where it's like steven adams was like the guy we only talked about going into this offseason it's like well i guess i could move him kind of like <laughs> in houston where it's like yeah. i don't know what they can really do with these two contracts and mm-hmm. um their roster is kind of capped out they're paying dennis Schroeder a lot of money like i don't i don't know what else they can really do here and adams maybe they can package him with someone like terrence ferguson and just get him up there then it's like jeremy grant gone uh paul george gone now russell westbrook gone and steven adams might be the lone guy but Mm -hmm. um i don't know like something i was going through like just different guards and guards specifically like westbrook um and how they aged and iverson just going from 20 to game to 18 from year 30 and to year 32 um is a little concerning because I do feel like with Westbrook's injury history and his lack of shooting touch from outside that he is going to fall off a cliff like Allen Iverson did when that athleticism goes and he's not even the finisher that Iverson was at the rim. So like, I, I think we've got two years left of very good Russell Westbrook, like all NBA Russell Westbrook. Anything Triple after double. that is, uh, say it again. Triple double Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah. Like I think that that dies in two years, maybe less. We'll see um but it's gonna go it's gonna be gone like that door is going to close and it's gonna close hard and it's gonna be very mean um (laughs) when it does happen and it's gonna suck watching him try and figure it out because it's just guys when they're zapped from their athleticism um it's just unfortunate and father time is undefeated and it's very very annoying because i've i I enjoy russell westbrook i've enjoyed watching him play Mm -hmm. um I, I just think he has to go to the right team and teams have to look at it of like, we have two years to figure this out with him before he falls off cliff. And he's got four years on his deal. Those last two years, mm-hmm. just whew, making 40, whatever it is, million a year. And yeah. it's, it's going to, it's going to be ugly. Um, where do you want to see Russell Westbrook finish out his prime? Well, I think I saw him saying that he has potential interest in the heat and that would probably be my number one option for him because I've loved Russell Westbrook. I loved watching him, especially with his Kevin Durant days in Oklahoma City with Ibaka and Harden. Those are some of my favorite days with Westbrook, and then he became a triple-double machine. But this last season, his shooting just fell off a cliff really hard and like from everywhere, pretty much. Um, the, three, the three ball was not there for him. The free throw shooting was really poor as well. But I think him going to the Heat, he has interest in the Heat. And pairing him with Jimmy Butler, I think, would be something I would definitely want to watch. The Heat also can send back some interesting items to Oklahoma City as well, because Oklahoma City should try to collect every possible asset they can for Russell Westbrook. Um, my thing is, I think the or the ideal trade for me would be to try to send 
pieces like Justice Winslow, Kelly Olynyk, and one of a youngster like Bam Adebayo or the rookie Tyler Harrow, which I don't see happening though. Um, move those three guys, specifically Winslow, Olynyk, and Bam, and maybe a future first rounder as well. I saw that the Heat can offer a, I believe it was a 2025 future first round pick they can offer that conveys to two seconds. If it's not, um, if it like you know doesn't land in the top ten, that would be my ideal situation for Russell Westbrook because he deserves to go to a you know a winning team in my opinion. I think the Heat can definitely be a winning team. Well, they will be a winning team with Westbrook, Butler, and the pieces they have around there. That would be my ideal destination for him. I don't want him there at all. I you don't. Go ahead and say, <laughs> I don't like the fit. I don't like. The lack of shooting, I think if there was a, like, maybe if Kevin loves in the equation, because that's like the mm-hmm. other thing is like, if they can still flip him, um, I would not give up Bam Adebayo for Russell Westbrook. I would not give up Justice Winslow for Russell Westbrook. Um, that contract is not an asset. Like that's, if you're taking on the Westbrook contract, you are doing the Thunder a gigantic favor. favor you are yeah. giving them nothing of long-term value. Like you're just absorbing this contract. Like we're just doing this for you basically as like a, a doing some sort of charity work on, on this front, because I, any GM that gives up any real asset or any real young player for Russell Westbrook in 2019 is um, not good at their job. So <laughs> I, I think the Thunder know that they only have a handful of options mm-hmm. for Westbrook and that. Um, they're just not going to get a good deal. And they don't have to, though, because Paul George brought in so much um, for them where they're set up. They have Shady Gilgis Alexander. Like, they're going to be okay if they don't get anything of value back in the Westbrook trade. Like, just getting off that money is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't think there is enough upside with Westbrook in Miami with Butler. I, I don't know. The injury stuff is obviously, like, if you want to talk about something, you can go south in a hurry. Like Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook in two years, like it. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. see what they look like. But two guys, a lot of injuries, a lot of mileage. Both super alphas. I I like them both individually. I don't think there's enough shooting on that team. Tyler Harrow may shoot lights out and be Devin mm-hmm. Booker 2.0, but I just don't think that group has enough shooting to come out of the East. Um, my thing is, and I don't know if that Toronto would do this, but what I want is Toronto for him. I want Lowry for oh Westbrook. Toronto. Yeah, because what the Thunder want, it's a huge expiring contract. Lowry's making 34. And if you just do trade machine, like straight up swap, it works. Would we not all want to see Westbrook try and win the title and defend it for Toronto by himself as the that... lead guy and doing the Kawhi <laughs> experience just as the guard? And like with that group and seeing what it looks like, I I would love Russell Westbrook in Toronto by himself with that group and taking that city on because that city is galvanized by superstars. Like they love DeRozan. They love Kyle Lowry. They love Kawhi. You know, who they're mm-hmm. going to love Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is someone who seems to really love the fact that OKC did not turn on him and just embraced him and looked at him as it was his team. Like the way Warriors fans look at Steph Curry. Like it's, mm-hmm. I, I really think there is something where like, if he is in Toronto, that team, I, that team can win the East. I don't think, I just don't think Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook and that group can win the East. And you put him in that incubator in Toronto. I don't know. I, I just think it'd be fun as hell. And at the same time, it would feel, I'd feel guilty if the Thunder did not buy out Kyle Lowry because he deserves better than having to go to that Oklahoma city team for a year. <laughs> 
um, before he hits the open market. So as long as they do something nice for him, maybe they do a three-team trade where it sends him to where he actually wants to go, like Philly or something. But I, that's what I want. My my dream scenario is Toronto. Another another sleeper or not sleeper, but like another interesting uh, fit would be the Timberwolves. I think. Oh, they're on my list. That was my other really? one I was going to bring up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because they're probably my second um, option. I I love that for them too. Because you want to ideally you want to pair Carl Anthony Towns with a point guard at least for the next few years, and Westbrook would be a or perfect just another fit. Another star. The yeah. clock is ticking. Like yeah. we're seeing what's happened with Giannis. They're down to two years. Mm-hmm. They like the the clock is ticking. Because the Wolves, you know, they really wanted D'Angelo Russell, and they were part of that, you know, blockbuster trade with the Nets, Warriors, and Wolves. Because the Wolves got Shabazz Napier and Chavion Graham, I believe, in that trade, yep. but they didn't get Russell, and that was the one player they really, really wanted. Mm-hmm. So that sucks for them. But if they want to go yep. after Westbrook, you know, they could. Offer Jeff Teague obviously because that's like their main point guard at the moment. They're really my trade. I'm looking at it on Trade Machine right now. Let me guess it. Is it? Is it? Because what I was thinking was you could give the Wolves ideally Russell Westbrook, or and maybe Dennis Schroeder because that they need point guards and you can give them those two and you can send back Jeff Teague as a point guard, unload Andrew Wiggins' contract. Um, Gorgie Jang would be the center you could give them. Going to Oklahoma City, but you, I am not taking back. uh, Dennis Schroeder from Minnesota. So it's yeah, that's else. also true. And there's also, I mean, I think you have to entice them with the young asset, and that would be Josh Okogie. Mm. So that would be, I yeah, like that would Kogi. be my deal. And that would um, work, that would work though, a two for four. I like Robinson and no picks. going back. Oh, Andre, yeah, that makes sense too. Like, just let him move on. I would do, I would do Robin, a Robertson and see what happens there. So if you were able to do, because like the weirdest thing about the wolves right now is, did you see that report that they're the reason they did not match Tyus Jones was because they're trying to clear up enough room for a, a max slot in 2020. Oh, I did who not read that. Have you seen the available <laughs> free agents in 2020? Who are you maxing out next? Yeah. That, their situation um, is Paul bad. Millsap? <laughs> There's no one there. It, there is no one there. I don't know who they're clearing cap for, but like, this is their only, like, this is one of their few remaining ways of getting another star around Car Anthony Towns. And I guess we'll have to see what happens with Jarrett Culver, but, like, no. Yeah. This, this is it. Yeah. Maybe it's a pain in the ass. If you trot out, like, Robertson, um, Covington, uh, Towns, Westbrook, and that group, I they would be a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Definite playoff team. Hey, that one, I'm not too sure about that one. I think they could be a, they could compete, like, you know, in the tier with the, if they add Westbrook, they can compete in the tier with the Spurs, the Kings, and such like that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't know if I would call them a straight lock just yet. I would lock it up. Two top 15 players in the West. I, they're, they're making the playoffs. (laughs) What about, what about the Pistons? What do you think about them? No, I, I don't want that at all. I don't want Westbrook. And I don't want, like, the, the, the former athletic superstar retirement home Detroit is becoming with Westbrook and Rose and and then Westbrook and Derek Rose. I don't, I don't like this, this model they're doing. It it seems very mean. Cause I, I saw what ESPN was like hypothetically offering and West Westbrook goes to the Pistons and the Thunder would get Reggie Jackson, Linkson Galloway, Tony Snell, the Thunder uh, hate Reggie Jackson, by the way. Do people yeah, remember the reports of like yeah. just how ugly that got and like how Scott Brooks thought about him? Obviously, he's not there anymore, but I'm sure Sam Presti is not chomping at the bit to bring Reggie, Reggie Jackson, Jackson back, back in the yeah. locker room. 
Yeah, that's why I was kind of confused on that one. But and then there was like three or two first round picks and a pick swap in twenty twenty one that they could offer like Russell Westbrook, Blake Griffin, um, Andre Drummond, Derrick Rose, Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown. I believe they brought back Markeith Morris as another fit yeah. off the bench. That would that would be an interesting team out west. I mean, east. Excuse me. Would they be interesting or would they be sad? I think they'd be interesting. Okay, I think they'd be sad, and it would it, it would annoy me. And I'm just waiting for the Pistons to trade Drummond. I don't know why they're they're continuing on with the the dual front court look of Drummond and Blake. I just I, I'll never be a believer in it. <laughs> they need Bruce Brown at the three. You got to make yeah, some moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially after they traded Reggie Bullock. Yeah. I don't. I mean, uh, you might be a big Luke Kennard guy. He's fine. I I don't know. I, I just I don't trust that group, and I I would not want to send Westbrook's last prime years in there. But then again, um, if you were to tell me to send Blake to Oklahoma City, yeah, then I would then then we're talking. Then yeah, that's what I was thinking about too. Mm-hmm. Like, how many games does Stephen Adams, Blake Griffin, Westbrook, Robertson, and um? Whoever the third guy would be in this scenario, uh, 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 Bruce Brown. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, how many teams did they win? I mean, how many games did they win? Wait, Russell Westbrook with Blake Griffin, Stephen Adams, Bruce Brown, and Roberson. Yeah. Hmm. In the that's West in 2019. I don't know. I don't even know if that's a playoff team. Wait, maybe Westbrook and Griffin on the same team on the same team still. Yeah. Hmm. Like they just doubled down and they they added just another star around Westbrook and keep it going for the last couple of years of Westbrook's contract. That would definitely be an interesting fit, though. I mean, interesting team. I think they would be in like the tier with um, the tier just above the Kings and the Spurs at the moment. Maybe like with the Warriors and the Blazers, that kind of tier. Because yeah. Blake Griffin's yeah. definitely Blake Griffin's definitely had a career year and. Detroit. He's shooting threes now, and it's, yeah. it's great. He's the lead ball handler. I, I mean, mm-hmm. as a lifelong Blake Griffin guy, it, it was great to see. I watched a lot of Pistons. Yeah, he year, and it was it was great. He adapted very well to the modern game, and even all right. Like, yeah, it's a sneaky MVP candidate. He should have mm-hmm. been like third team All NBA. Um, yeah, the Spurs, a team we talked about a little bit at the top of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're now extremely interesting. They're kind of like the Kings. They're in that bottom half of the western conference playoff bracket but they could still get there um their season was derailed last year when Dejounte murray tore his acl it, right before everything got started and there was so much hype around what he was going to do he's working with chip england he's going to shoot threes he's going to be good we already mm-hmm. know what he's going to do with his length and versatility on defense like he's going to lead this group and the spurs were top five in offensive efficiency last year and they were um in the bottom 15 in defensive efficiency it was a very different spurs team that we're accustomed to with greg popovich and that group and it was weird like they were so efficient and you look at how and you're like, oh, all their guys took the shots they knew they could hit. Like DeRozan took zero threes. Aldridge took zero threes. Mm-hmm. Um, they just made the shots that they were supposed to. And then Bryn Forbes shot threes. Davis Bertans only shot threes. And it was just, you mm-hmm. look at that and you're like, oh, I, I get this. I understand why they made it and they survived. But I, I don't know. They now have too many guys with Murray back where Lonnie Walker is blossoming and you mm-hmm. need to give him minutes you have the rose in there you have rudy gay you have uh marcus morris at least it seems like it for right now for now um, yeah Derek white needs minutes you just start to think about it and you're like Bryn forbes i i don't patty mills if he's back 
they just have too many guards and not enough wing depth. And I don't know. I don't know what they do about their backcourt. What do you do? Even they even have Marco Bellinelli there as well as um, yeah. another guy who played 23 minutes a game. I think it was. But there's there's so many guards in this team. Like, I think you have to start Murray at first, just to see like you know where he's at, and or actually no, I take that back. I would start Derek White again, like he was for the most of the season, and then Bryn Forbes would be my shooting guard, like he was for most of the season. And then, you know, I'd keep Rosen as my three, which he was the majority of last season, even though he was one of their main ball handlers and led the team in assists. Um, I think I'd bring Murray off the bench just to see where he's at and slowly, you know, get him accustomed to the game again. And then play him with um, Patty Mills as the main one and two off the bench. Because Lonnie Walker is also an interesting one. I At the moment, I kind of have him as the odd man out just for now. Or at least as their fifth guard but he's killing it in the summer league um he played i think he so far he's played two games and he's averaging 30 points a game and shooting 58 percent. so he's definitely killing it over there right now one of the best scorers in the las vegas summer league i think yeah i think that's where i go i go white and forbes is my starting one and two because white definitely deserves to be you know a starter after what he did last season and how he you know blossomed in the playoffs too out of nowhere how he broke out especially in that one game against the denver nuggets yeah it's and, hard to push him back into a, a smaller role after that kind of playoff outburst. Yeah. Where it was and, like, is he better than Jamal Murray? Once you have that conversation, you're like, uh, we, I think we have to play this through 36 minutes a night now. Mm-hmm. Because I can see, I can definitely see maybe like one of these guys being the odd man out and having to get traded or something. And another guard that they, they drafted another guard too in Quindary, F, Quindary Witherspoon, um, you know, as a shooting guard, I believe he played and he was a 46%, uh, or 40% three-point shooter in his final year at Mississippi State. So hmm. um, he also just signed a two-day, two, two-way contract uh, two days ago, too. So that's another interesting option they have um, as a G League guy. But they're stacked right now. Well, they're stacked in that area. Where they're not stacked is at the wing. Because yeah, Bertans, yeah. they traded, and that trade has gone through. They cannot mm-hmm. dig on that. Um, he is a wizard. And he was really important for them. And he shot like 60 thousand percent from three last year he never missed a three he he really didn't folks um and marcus morris might jump out of that contract mm-hmm. and if you lose Bertons and morris i just i don't i don't know like they're suddenly relying extremely heavily on demar Derozan and rudy gay on the wing but and they also have damari carroll as well don't oh they? yeah i mean they did carroll yeah i don't know i don't trust that's a lot that's, of, a... that's an old group <laughs> Yeah, because behind Damari Carroll, um, who can you know play the three and four, they have uh, Dante Cunningham and Quincy Pondexter, I believe, still. Yeah. But no, those guys are yeah, those guys are aging veterans. Um, don't really provide too much. But I mean, you have to move one of these guards for wing depth. I just yeah, I don't know who. I go back and forth. I mean, I know it's not Derek White. You do not move Derek White. Yeah. And you don't move Lonnie Walker. So that leaves Dejounte. I mean. I think if Murray doesn't, you know, impress as as expected, um, then I think he could be one of the odd men out. But I also can see Lonnie Walker if, you know, he doesn't get the, the minutes that he should be getting right now. At least to get more minutes than he was last season because he wasn't a huge part of their team. Um, you can't get rid of Bryn Forbes either. I mean, his three-point shooting was really valuable because uh, Derek White wasn't like a huge three-point shooting guy. Neither right. is... Lonnie Walker as much. Um, well, he's hitting threes in summer league. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. But last season he wasn't. And then Murray, you you hope he can develop a three point shot as well, especially with his height being six five. But Bryn Forbes has to be there. I mean, they need shooters. I don't know if I trust Bellinelli too much at this stage, especially on defense. And then I still keep Patty Mills as a backup point guard too, just for his veteran experience and being a career like what thirty. 9%, or he shot 39% from three last year. I don't know his career percentage, but it's definitely high 30s. Yeah. But yeah, they, they definitely need wing depth right now because I don't... I mean, Rudy Gay is definitely a solid option. DeMar DeRozan is obviously a solid option. But you don't have much behind Damari Carroll. And if you lose Marcus Morris to a one-year 15 million deal with the Knicks, then that's not a good look either. If they're in 10th place and it's... January. Do you consider moving Aldridge and DeRozan? I would probably consider moving. I probably I think DeRozan would have more value for sure. I try to interesting because Aldridge was the All Star last year, and Aldridge mm-hmm. was the more valuable player to that group last year. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely. I'm like calling De- Boston if I'm San Antonio, and I'm like, oh, are you? How's that Robert Williams starting at the five experience going for you guys? Um, <laughs> can we interest you in Lamarcus Aldridge, who played 95 percent of his minutes at the five last year? Like, mm-hmm. he, I think he's not Al Horford, obviously, but I think he'd be really, really good in Boston. And if you can pry away one of those young guys for Aldridge and some other piece, like, could you get Jalen Brown for Aldridge and something else and Dante? If, I mean, maybe if you offer Murray as well, but I don't think a Brown plus another asset would work for Aldridge just because we know how they, much they valued Brown um, in that potential AD trade. So I don't know if they give Brown for Aldridge straight up, especially with Aldridge being 33. Um, Al Horford is also... Aldridge and DeJounte Murray for, um, for Jalen Brown. That would depend on how Jalen Brown is playing. Yeah. But... I would I would probably try to consider moving DeRozan first because he's, you know, the more I mean, I don't know how much teams will want to give up for a 33-year-old Marcus Aldridge rather than DeMar DeRozan who's still, you know, relatively in his prime and can still offer, you know, tremendous value to a team depending where he is. But where makes hmm. sense for DeRozan? Like none of us have really talked about like which team can really absorb him and it like makes it moves the needle at all. Like, I think Dallas is probably a good example of this where it's like having him on the wing for that group would be gigantic, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's not a lot of great options and a they, lot, not a lot of teams that can afford him. And Dallas doesn't have like the most pleasing, uh, trade assets either. The Lakers would be interesting, but they can't do it right now. Oh, no, yeah. January. Well, they could. Once, I mean, if you wanted to do, I mean, but they just, they need bodies. And giving up three bodies for DeRozan, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. There's not a lot of teams that make sense for me in a DeRozan trade. And it kind of sucks if this team is not, because they just have a lot of guys they have to play. And they're in this weird timeline where it's like they have Aldred and DeRozan. But they also and Rudy Gay and Damari mm-hmm. Carroll, but they also have all these young guys that need minutes. So mm-hmm. I don't know because if it doesn't work out, then this has to be like their last year of you know trying to win with veterans and then move these veterans out and just like focus on a more youth team or like you know a youth level team with Pop focusing on guys like White, Murray, Forbes. Say these are like their three uh, guards they're building around. 
but it all depends on the assets they can bring in if they move DeRozan, maybe Rudy Gay, and um, Aldridge as well. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I If I had to bet, I think Aldridge or DeRozan gets moved this year. I don't know which one, but I think they move one of them. Yeah. Um, and I also don't think Murray, Walker, and uh, White are all on this roster by next summer. Yeah, I don't think, think you can so survive either. with those three. Mm-hmm. Um, which is going to be interesting because all those guys have value and it, it's an under-the-radar team that could shake things up across the league landscape. Um, all right, man. Well, this is great. I appreciate uh, you taking the time. It, uh, it was good to have you on for the first time. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. It was fun. All right, Sandesh. Is there anything we need to read from uh, you on SactownRoyalty.com this week before we get out of here? I have two pieces coming. I have... One about Rashawn Holmes, how he's going to be a fan favorite in Sacramento. That's about a thousand words you can expect coming soon. And I'm currently writing about what we can expect from the Sacramento Kings defense. And that's in progress right now. All right. I'll look out for it. Rashawn Holmes is a legend. He's a fan favorite wherever he goes. (laughs) Um, Thanks so much, man. And uh, I will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.